Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. All sorts of pre-owned inventory. And a great service department and excellent sales staff. That's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Another loaded show coming up today. We got Chris Mack from 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh at 3.35 today. Lots to get into with him, of course. The never-ending personnel drama with the Steelers, but most importantly, or more importantly than that in this case, is the Penguin sale or the pending sale to the Fenway Sports Group that we initially talked about yesterday. So we'll get into that at 3.35 with Chris and then Ross Tucker from Ross Tucker Football Podcast is going to join us at 4.06 today. You hear him on the Eagles radio network during the pregame show. He also is the analyst during the preseason on the Eagles television network. You hear him on Westward One, all over the place, occasionally here on the Dan Patrick Show on WKOK. So we'll hear from him at 4.06 today to get into the Eagles and other football topics. And he covers it all, NFL college and of course high school being from the Reading area so we'll got a lot to get into with him too at four so looking forward to that as well and the college football playoff rankings out and just as Steve and I suspected yesterday it was relatively the same the top seven teams or top eight teams are all the same the status quo as we pretty much figured with Alabama Check that. Georgia, one. Alabama, two. Oregon, three. Ohio State, four. Cincinnati, five. Michigan, Michigan State, six and seven. Notre Dame, eight. And Steve brought up an interesting theory of what could be in the college football playoff minds. I don't know if he was just trying to pull my leg here. I wouldn't be surprised. But I actually thought long and hard about this in terms of where the committee's stance is with Notre Dame and Steve made the point of maybe Notre Dame might be getting slighted a little bit as much as I would like to agree I actually am okay with where Notre Dame is right now and I think I've even mentioned before on the show I don't think they're that good a football team despite being a 9-1 and team 
I don't see them being in the top four. I don't think they have. A, I don't think they have a shot of making it really, unless they get tons of losses from everybody else in front of them, which, with two weeks to go, very unlikely to happen. But I'm actually okay with where they are because, all right, they lost to Cincy. We knew that was going to be a make or break for them if they're going to even be in this conversation, and they lost at home. Of course, since he's five right now, is undefeated, but again, schedule's not great for them. Put that debate aside for now. Just looking at the facts. And then in front of them is Michigan and Michigan State. Well, they also share the identical records, but their strength of schedule has been better. And... It's hard to go from there other than the fact that Notre Dame's not in a conference. And, you know, someone called up uh, a few weeks ago about that, that Notre Dame shouldn't have a shot with the CFP if they're not in a conference. Well, while I slightly disagree as far as they, if, if, they're, if, they're, if they're good enough to be in, like a Cincinnati or whatever, then they should be in. But I have been a longtime advocate for Notre Dame to be in a conference. I'm in the minority here amongst, I would think, most Notre Dame fans. I want the uh, uh, Notre Dame to be in a conference. I want them to be fully in the ACC because I think that would help them and then probably bump up the schedule a little bit. Maybe not by a whole lot in terms of this year, maybe the past couple seasons, but it's certainly better in the teams that they played. And in fact, when you play teams like a Toledo and you nearly lose to them at home, that certainly doesn't help you. I mean, look at Cincinnati, of course. They've played Navy. They've played USC, who stinks, even though it normally is a big rivalry game, but they stink this year. They played North Carolina. They played Virginia. They played at Virginia Tech and had to win that game in the final seconds. I think there's a lot of deficiencies for them and inconsistencies for them offensively, at quarterback, on the offensive line, maybe at some of the skill positions. They still have a very good run game. Defense is not as good as it usually is. That's what's gotten Notre Dame in the college football playoff when they have in the past several seasons. They've had a good running game, and they've had a very good defense, especially a good front seven. They don't have that this year. So I'm actually okay with where Notre Dame is course I'd like for them to be a little bit higher and I'm rooting for the chaos to ensue to get Notre Dame more in the conversation but I'm actually okay with where they are I am surprisingly enough but that was an interesting point that Steve brought up that was that, that really had me thinking long and hard about this perhaps even overthinking as I've been accused <laughs> stuff on this show before but will it there? But there will be. Are you are you done venting? <laughs> no, I was actually, I was actually uh, agreeing with you. Well, not really agreeing with you, but I was. Well, you have to. My name's on the show. <laughs> I was more or less going through that. I'm actually okay where Notre Dame is in the poll, and I'm not. I, I don't think they're being slighted, as you kind of alluded to yesterday. I'm actually okay with where they are in the poll. So, I think that they are ranked where they're ranked. 
so they can justify Cincinnati being five. I don't like how these people are going about their business. Oh, I don't so either. Let, I mean, so I, let's let's yeah. start with this. Let's start with this. Number one, everyone knows how I feel about how the SEC schedules this time of the year. It's a disgrace, and what's disgraceful is the committee lets them get away with it. You're doing weekly snapshots. I would have taken Georgia and made them five this week and Alabama six. Why? Because when I am ranking teams, and they don't start ranking teams until after Halloween, you deliberately in an open date schedule Charleston Southern. Really? Right? And guess what? That's that's you as a program when we're trying to determine four teams for the national championship. That's just you giving me the middle finger saying, we can do whatever we want. Because you're going to let us get away with it. Same thing with New Mexico State. You deliberately scheduled that game. That was Now, if you're playing Vanderbilt, I'm fine with that. Because they're in your division. This is Georgia. They're in your division. And it's a conference game. Right? Got to play that game. You know, it turns out you're way better, but that, that's a conference game. Got it completely. But you elected to play Charleston Southern. When we're ranking, um, no, um, that's not how it's supposed to work. Show us a little more respect. I'd rather have you. I'd rather have you have a bye week than play that game. Which then brings you know, then brings me to the next one. Gary Barda embarrassed himself last night. Totally. Completely embarrassed himself when he talked about, even though it doesn't really matter at this point where people are, it's only snapshots. But for the integrity of what you're doing, you've got to rank Michigan State ahead of Michigan. You have to. If they have the same record and one team beat the other, I'm sorry, but that was your shot. You didn't win. Now that I agree with. What's the tiebreaker in every single sport? What's the first tiebreaker? Always head to head. Always. Okay. And he and he says, quote, result aside, or no, he said game aside. Game aside, the that you know, the stats above no 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 no, Gary. Okay. Here's a stat for you. Okay. Don't start talking about the overall defense, complete team, overall offensive numbers. I'll give you two numbers that are absolutely critical as to why I'm right and you're dead wrong. My two numbers are 37 and 33. That was the score of the game. Sorry. If Michigan were... Now, do I think Michigan's better? <clears throat> do I think Michigan's better than Michigan State? I do. But that doesn't matter. I can't rank them in front of they played each other. Just like if they have the same record, if they have the same record as somebody else and they played, the team that won goes in front. That's why Oregon and Ohio State 
It doesn't matter they lost to Stanford, Oregon. They played Ohio State. Not only that, they played in Columbus. You can't rank Ohio State over Oregon as as long as they have the same record. Can't. Now, Oregon loses another game, absolutely can rank Ohio State ahead. Absolutely. No getting around it. But that's, that's why I sit back and I look at this stuff. It makes no sense what they're doing. And anytime you start falling back, we have become a sports society that is exponentially too reliable on numbers, relying too much on numbers. Relying on numbers over and over again tells me that anybody who relies so much on numbers tells me they don't they don't know the sport. That's your fallback. Well, the numbers say, no, 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 I don't want to hear about the numbers. They actually know how the sport works. You're an athletic director at Iowa. Um, did you feel like you were the more complete team when you play Wisconsin, or did you felt like you lost? Oh, you lost? Oh, okay. That's what that's that's what happens when you lose. They weren't looking at – they didn't go to the press conference with Jim Harbaugh and say, you know, Jim, how did it feel to look, feel like you were the more complete team out there today? Oh, it was great, man. We were the complete, more complete team. No, 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 no. Every single question he got was about losing the game because they didn't win. That's your shot. You should never be allowed in head-to-head to get away with losing the game. When you're head-to-head and you have the same record, you should never be allowed uh, the ability to get away with it like it never happened. And that's what this committee has done. I know. they. Yeah, so what they played. doesn't matter. Yeah, they played ten times, Michigan. No, 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 no. They played one time. They didn't win. And I do think Michigan's better than Michigan State. I absolutely do. But that doesn't matter. They played that is the trump card every single time. Just like with Oregon and Ohio State, that's Oregon's trump card. They went to Columbus, they won the game. As long as they have the same record, Ohio State cannot be ranked in front of them. And every time they, they do stuff like this, they do a disservice, disservice to college football and, again, strengthen the argument for a 12-team playoff. Right. And look, I'm saying he doesn't care who gets in the four right now because obviously it, I don't broadcast any of those teams. Okay, so my my caring about it is very neutral. But I sit back and I look at this and go, what are you people doing? Are you kidding me? What are you doing? Games should not be an afterthought. Analytics should not be the trump card over actual performance. You played. Okay. Are the were the New England Patriots in two thousand seven the best team in, in the NFL? Of course they were. They weren't defeated. But the Giants in their one shot got the Super Bowl. They gave them the trophy. It's amazing how the game counted. All right. We'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment. We've got Chris Mack today. We've got Ross Tucker today. Should be good. Looking forward to it. 
And uh, former uh, Rutgers quarterback Mike McMahon joins us on the show as well. Suits send me the holiday party thing. It's very confusing. Did you see that? I did see it, yes. Who? I mean, who wrote that? I think it might have been him, but I am unsure. Sealens Grove's misspelled. Party's misspelled. Um, you know. <laughs> I don't, I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay. It was unbelievable. And then, then, it, then it hit me. Ward 4. All right, back with more in a moment. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. S U I T, that spells suit. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Everything's kind of changed, obviously, with, with the COVID deal. It's it's made it it's made it different, as you, as you mentioned. Uh, we had a number of guys that um, you know took part in, in the senior ceremony last year, and then still decided to come back. Um, so I think our staff, as well as the players, understand um, some guys may not walk um, with the intention on coming back. Some guys may walk. Um, and still haven't made that decision yet um, until we sit down after the season and, and decide. I wish I could have a better answer for you, but it's it's hard to it's hard to you know say right now, uh, just based on everybody in the program having another year. It, it's it's they had a meeting. They had a meeting with compliance to try and go over all this. It's a mess. I mean, you. I mean, do you get to the point numerically where you look at your recruiting class and say we can't take all of you, or you look at some other older guys and say we're bringing everybody in, we can't keep you. The bottom line is the hard cap number is eighty-five. Okay, the hard cap number is eighty-five. You can't go over eighty-five. I think people have seen that new rule about transfers and so forth, an extra spot. No, it's 85. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Care Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 
Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. I mean, the holiday party thing. There's so many misspelled words in there. I just... Not my department. Look, I'm only going if Mercy goes. I'll have to check in about that. Yeah. Got to have a reason for something. Yeah. All right. Chris Mack joins us from uh, 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. Chris, same welcome back. Great to have you with us. together that invite, Steve. Same person is the same person that writes your ad copy. I guarantee it. Uh, oh, absolutely. That's why I have to visually edit everything. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you ever hear the commercial for Babel? <laughs> yes, yes. That's, that's the same guy. All right. <laughs> S- same guy. All right. So, uh, John Henry and the Fenway Group already own Fenway Roush Racing. They already own the Boston Red Sox. They already own Liverpool. Now they want to buy the Penguins. So what's been the thought process in Pittsburgh hearing that? Uh, I'll tell you, most people, including myself, look at it as a good thing. It probably won't really change the way the Penguins do business. Um, From some of the reporting that's been done, it sounds like they they look at this as another investment in a top tier uh, property, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, the Boston Red Sox are a top tier property. Fenway Park is literally a top tier property in Major League Baseball. Uh, I guess we could call the Red Sox and LFC brands. We could call Ralph Fenway uh, a brand now. Ralph Fenway Keselowski, um, and they they only invest in the best, uh, and they rarely, if ever. Um, and I know people are going to throw Mookie Betts up as an example, but Mookie Betts, really, when you look at it, was not a salary dump. The Red Sox knew Betts wasn't going to stick around, and so they had to get something for him, and certainly it wasn't a great trade. Um, but, he, you know, it, they, they spend up to what they can spend to. You know, they, they never let finances become an issue, which in Pittsburgh we are acutely keen to that subject given our baseball team. Um, so, you know, the Penguins have always been a cap team. And I don't think anyone expects that to be any different. Uh, it's also key, I think, that Mario Lemieux is going to stay a part of the ownership group and that that connection yeah. to the heritage of, of Pittsburgh Penguins hockey uh, is very important. You know, I, I talked to Ryan Malone on our show this morning, and it is. You know, he's, I think, maybe two, three months older than me. We're, we're both in our early 40s. Both grew up watching the Penguins of the early 90s. That's what got us into hockey, right? And he ended up turning it into a career. Um, and it, Mario is, is the genesis of all of that. And for a new generation, it's been Crosby, sure. But uh, the Crosby era doesn't exist without Lemieux and the Lemieux era. So it's an important no that he, it's important, I think, that he remains a part of it to, to stay connected to the past of what this organization is and uh, to remember maybe in some cases the ups and downs, the travails that this organization has been through as well as the successes. Um, and I think that that's that's a good thing. And like I said, the fact that Fenway, we, we know they'll spend. And, and but this will be their first their first sort of uh, their first entree into a, a capped uh, system, which they haven't had to deal with in yeah. baseball and soccer. Yeah, ever uh, along the way. But there's a couple points to this. Number one, 
I know there there was some talk that Mario might get out altogether. I think it's a big plus they convinced him to stay in it. I just think it's yeah. great for the organization and the image of the organization. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if you had decided to – if Mario had decided to walk away at this point, who could blame him, right? Because there are some lean years coming, certainly. You know, it, it, we, this may be the first year in – Let's see, it'll be 15, 16, 17 years that they don't make the playoffs. Um, at least that's the position they sit in right now. Um, so, and we know that here in Pittsburgh, as much as there are a lot of hardcore hockey fans, a lot of the fans that have filled up that building for that sellout streak that just ended last month, uh, they're, they're there when the Penguins are winners, right? And there have been lean years when they were not winners. Um, so Mario knows that. Ron Burkle certainly knew that. Ron Burkle was a money guy. I mean, he liked sitting on the back of a convertible in those three parades, but he was a money guy. Um, so it, it, it's good that they convinced Mario to stick around and that, again, that, that link to the heritage of the Pittsburgh Penguins will remain intact. I, I, if, if it had just become a nameless, faceless uh, brand or entity, I think that would have been, that would have been tough for the brand going forward, in especially towards the post-Crosby-Malkin era. There's also another part that doesn't uh, apply to this, because the, the Fenway group, the John Henry group, is acquiring the Penguins because they're a marquee franchise. Mm-hmm. But there, there's a little-known NHL rule that when there's a new owner and it's bought, you can't move a team for seven years. Right. And a lot of people, and a lot of people don't know that rule exists. No, it's it's a, it's it's a. It's, I'm glad you bring it up because we talked about it this morning as well. It is little known, but it is very important. And you know, it's. I, I don't think there's any. There's even if let's put it this way, even if Lemieux had not been involved, uh, or would, had decided not to stay involved, I wouldn't fear that at all. Um, right. I think you know, it, it, immediately on the surface for the next year or two. We're not even going to notice any difference, I don't think, to be quite honest. Like I said, the way they do business, very similar to the way the Burkle Lemieux Group did business. Burkle Lemieux Group has always been top flight as far as taking care of players and their families. It's why it's such a destination for free agents on top of the fact that they get to play with Crosby and Malkin. Um, but, it, you know, let's see. I, I, I will reserve judgment, you know, three, four, five years down the road and up to that seven-year point, like you said, uh, are they doing business any differently? It'll be something to keep an eye on, but I, I don't think there was. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't yeah, think there's I, any fear about the Penguins relocating. We're not back where we were when no, they were fighting no, for no. a new arena 15, as, 20 years ago. As as I said, it doesn't apply to this situation, but I just yeah. want to at least get it out there so people know that for seven years you can't yeah. you can't go anywhere. Yeah, and I think it's really important. You know, I know local TV news has a job to do, and their their job is to sell ads, just like it's our job to sell ads on the radio. Um, but, you know, they were out there in front of PPG Paints Arena informing fans who didn't know yet last night as they were walking in, oh, have you heard? The Penguins have been sold. And for a casual fan who doesn't understand what that means, you had people reacting like, oh, my God, they've been sold? Are they moving? What's happening? You know, right. they're not moving. They're not going anywhere. This franchise is on as stable a ground as it's been in in the last 15 years, 20 years, and it's just about changing the name at the top of the checks that everybody gets. Uh, it's. I think it's as stable as the stablest it's been since since it came to existence at sixty seven. Oh, certainly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even, you think about those lean years, years pre DeBartolo, uh, and then even post DeBartolo, and yeah. after Howard Baldwin nearly ran the thing into the ground. Um, they are very lucky 
to have had the ownership group uh, that they've had since then. And, uh, you know, this I, I can't imagine this getting – I can only see it staying the same or getting better, I guess. I can't imagine it getting worse under Fenway. I can imagine that the 16-16 tie went over big on your show. <laughs> you know, it's perfect because and, – and I started to see and hear people saying this during overtime. I was one of the people remarking it myself. It's almost perfect because in a year where we thought there was no way this team could finish 500, even though they are so obviously a 500 team, now they can. They can go 8-8-1, yes. eight, eight and one, and Mike Tomlin can have another non-losing season to put on, on his resume, right? Uh, another season perhaps not in the playoffs, but that's, I guess, the other side of the coin here. Um, this team has many issues. Um, you know, not chief amongst them is the fact that I don't know – if the entire organization is sold on the quarterback succession plan. And that's a long-range issue. Short range is they can't tackle anybody to save their lives. They may be without T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick. They will be without Minka. They might be without Watt as well against Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense. Uh, Maybe without Joe Hayden, too. Maybe without Joe Hayden, too. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, And and they, they can't stay committed to the run when they should. As they should have at you know first and goal on the five yard line where they were ran three straight pass plays and Mason Rudolph fired one into the ground. Um, they they've got a lot of issues and so the offensive line uh, it, it's they need to come to terms with and I guess accept the reckoning that is there's going to be you know a few lean years like I just mentioned with the Penguins the Steelers have to accept the fact that the best thing to do at this point. It's not to blow it all up. You're not doing that. You just signed T.J. Watt to a contract. You just drafted Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth. But at the quarterback position, it may be best to just start from scratch. You know, um, yeah. Haskins and Rudolph. It's it's becoming more and more apparent every single day. Are not neither of them is the guy going forward. And Ben just doesn't have many bullets left. You know, I don't know how much better he may have been than Rudolph on Sunday, to be quite honest. Uh, and I don't know after watching the way he played down the stretch last year, if we'll necessarily get anything different this year. Yeah. If there's a lockout in baseball, will anybody in Pittsburgh notice? <laughs> um, the people that like to go down to Bradenton and watch spring training games will notice. Um, yes. I, yes. You know, I fear, I almost, uh, and I've talked about this with several people who cover the organization, I almost wish for the nuclear option to a certain extent with baseball this winter in that, they kind of do what hockey did in 2003, 2004, where they just blew it all up, the financial system, and started from scratch. Um, and they got a hard cap in, and they got a hard floor in, and they changed the economics of the game so that every franchise could have an opportunity to thrive. And I would hope that if baseball is going to face any kind of labor stoppage this year, that that would be the result. But you know and I know and I think the general sports public, sports-consuming public, doesn't have any faith that it's actually going to go that way, right? They're going to sit around and argue and yell and scream at each other for three or four months. Nothing will get done. And then finally, they'll make a couple small concessions on either side. And we'll be right back where we were. Uh, people complaining about, you know, no middle class existing in player salaries. People complaining about no middle class really existing amongst organizations and clubs either. Some teams are always tanking. Some teams are always going over the luxury tax threshold. And we'll just spin our wheels again for another five or ten years. Uh, Pitt has a chance to win the Coastal Division. They've got Virginia this weekend. Are people in Pittsburgh noticing Pitt? Because I watched the North Carolina game, and it looked like a gold out. 
Yeah, it's tough. And the, and the gold you know, the, out didn't include human beings in it. Yeah. I mean, we have this conversation all the time, right, Steve? Especially those of us that come from a tradition that involves 100,000 people filling a stadium every weekend, even if it's against Rutgers, right? Um, it, it's, it's, it seems foreign to us that that place sits half empty on some game days, especially with a team that is now ranked 18th in the country. Uh, I suspect they'll get a decent crowd this weekend. Um, but the other thing to consider is, you know, a lot of kids, a lot of students, they may head home this weekend. You know, they've got Thanksgiving yeah. break next week. Um, so, yeah. I, you know, I hope the student section shows up. I just heard Kenny Pickett mention that on his show on our station. Um, he's just I, – I, I, I'm almost at the point now where – I just want Pitt to succeed for Kenny Pickett's sake. He's such a great kid. Yeah, um, he's a good I, I really think he's got a fairly bright future. I don't know if he'll be a you know a years long starter in the NFL, but the, just the story of him deciding to bet on himself, come back for another year, and that bet paying off in what is statistically the second or third best season any quarterback in D one is having uh, is really fun to watch. And I hope Brennan Armstrong's healthy so that we can get that quarterback matchup on Saturday too. Um, and it would be, you know, it, again, as much as some older Penn State and Pitt fans are, will always be at each other's throats, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I kind of like when Pitt succeeds sometimes. Certainly not at the expense of Penn State when they play each other, but, you know, when Pitt wins, I think it's better for football in Pennsylvania. Well, how many times have you heard me praise Kenny Pickett the last four years? You know I've praised him a lot. Oh, yeah. No, seriously, yeah. I mean a lot. No. Because, because, look, I talk football. It doesn't matter what the name and the label happens to be. The kid can play; he can play, and I like him. He's a he's a heck of a player. I mean, I I don't, I don't want to knock a guy who's physically getting the crap beat out of him this year, but if Kenny Pickett were wearing blue and white this year instead of Sean Clifford, we might have a different result in a few spots. And again, that's not not Cliff because I know he's taking a beating this year, but it's just food for thought, I think. Chris, always a pleasure. Appreciate it very much, my friend. It was great to see you at the Mole Man tailgate. Yes, absolutely. I can't wait to do it again. Thank you so much for that. And uh, I'd come up every weekend if we could, but, you know, with the kids and school and activities and all that, that's unfortunately far too rare. So I'll just say uh, I'll look forward to doing it again very soon, Steve. Always great to catch up. Beautiful family, by the way. And married way up. All right. So, yeah. Believe it or not, those kids are actually mine. I, I have no idea how. how no, no. But, you know. Hey. Yeah, thank goodness. Thank goodness for the mother. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Thanks, Steve. Chris. Appreciate it. Uh, I feel like I said the same thing to you, didn't I? You know, I, I thought that sounded similar. <laughs> it's, and it's not a line. I mean. It's not a line. It just is fact. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, he couldn't even spell the word should correctly. <laughs> you know, what bothers me are the monosyllabic words and there are a lot of them in here <laughs> oh well it's sad it really is very sad get the lingerie on the deck call the janitor I mean and he's got on his title national VP of something right correct 
I mean, I hope nobody gets a hold of this invitation. All right. <laughs> well, we'll be nationally nowhere. All right. So back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. I'm proud of Sean. Sean's a competitor. He's tough. He's given everything he can to this to this program and to this university and his teammates. Um, but he was he was beat up. You know, he, he's getting hit too many times. He had you know uh, I think you know we had five hits besides the sacks. I actually literally just got done meeting with him. He is battling his tail off. He sure is, and uh, they are believe me, they are having a conversation about whether he comes back next year or not. Uh, and, I mean, it, I mean, no decision has been made on it yet, but, you know, if you're asking, does Penn State want him back, the answer is yes, Penn State does want him back. The question is whether Sean thinks it's time to stay or time to go. But that conversation has started. I uh, did get a question on email, I do believe. Um, this one's about no. This one here deals with the suit being a work release. Um, no, so we'll bypass that. Get the lingerie uh, on the deck. Call the janitor. Bill from York. Um, uh, I think that the I think they've been missing some great opportunities to open opponents' defenses by not using tight ends more effectively. Uh, another suggestion, and this goes to the style and effectiveness example, tight end. Uh, I think he means Mike Kosicki, not Joe Jarvicious. Show films of him and ask which one of the guys at that position who wants to emulate him. Even though he's a pro now, um, they can burn up the lines by talking with him to learn how and how to best play the tight end position. Also, for other players to go to others now, playing and let them step into leadership roles and teach them the techniques and attitudes of the game. Thanks for listening. Uh, Bill from York. Bill, you're uh, the tight ends. This I have never used the words young or youth to describe this team. Not one time. Never have. There is an area in the team that is young, and it is the tight end. Tight ends are young on this team. Uh, Johnson played some last year. Warren, almost not at all. Strange, obviously, was the number two guy, and then when Frymouth got her ascended to number one, so he's got the most experience. When the tight ends have been involved in what's going on, to your point, Bill, Auburn, six catches, 130 yards, Penn State win. Ohio State, you know, a good game, goes deep into the fourth quarter. They had The tight ends combined for eight catches in that game. So, Bill, I think you're spot on. Whenever those tight ends are involved, it does a lot for the Penn State passing game. It also takes the pressure off Jahan Dotson, which is something that we have to talk about as well. You've got to be able to take uh, the pressure off Dotson. And you're right, Bill. The tight ends, I think, are a critical, critical part of that. They also have to be better in the running game. We've talked about Penn State running the ball for 107 yards a game. When they've been... A better blocking group like they were Saturday in the game against Michigan. They blocked a lot better. Lee had 17 carries for 88 yards. So, Bill, you're right. The tight ends are very, very important in what Penn State is doing. I agree with you completely. All right. Ross Tucker next half hour. 
And then the final half hour, we'll take your calls about the suit. We'll call it the venting half hour. <laughs> Let's go to Mark Lawrence first. Mark, hi. <laughs> ah, Dan Patrick joins us. Hello, Dan. 